you know, with both of my births after that, both of my out of hospital births, I just felt like my provider listened to me and took into account what I wanted and not only just not only took that into account, but encouraged me. Hey, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Entering Motherhood, a podcast dedicated specifically to new moms going through this amazing journey in life. I'm your host, Sarah Bilger, a postpartum nutritional coach slash mechanical engineer. And as always, I'm so excited to be here with you and share all the information I've been lucky enough to obtain since becoming a mom. In this episode, we talk with Shannon Fleming, the owner of Brave the Waves Birth and Beyond, about her personal birthing journey and how she now helps mamas avoid the struggles she endured in her early years of motherhood. Before this episode begins, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. And I also want to talk about a couple of events we have coming up, one starting April 1st. This event is for mamas who are either currently trying to conceive, are pregnant, or are in the early postpartum stage and may have some trauma in their life that they're looking to release. We go through 30 ways and 30 days of how to heal your trauma. You'll get a workbook and you'll listen to the daily mini episodes of the podcast that correspond to this a unique experience. I hope that you know that you are not alone in this and that you deserve this time to heal. The other event we have coming up is the first ever Entering Motherhood Festival, and it is happening on May 15th, 2022, right here in the Greenville area. If you want more information on this, please go to the Entering Motherhood website or feel free to reach out to me with any questions. And with that, let's get this episode started. Hello, and welcome to Entering Motherhood. I'm super excited to have you here today and really just get this conversation started. So how about you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Shannon Fleming. I'm a wife and mother of four from teenager all the way down to um, almost two years old. I'm originally from New Jersey, but I moved down to South Carolina, gosh, almost 14 years ago. And then I met my husband and we've been married for over 10 years. And I am a um, birth and sibling doula, um, childbirth educator, and hopefully soon I trained and certified postpartum doula as well. So um, my business is Brave the Waves, Birth and Beyond. And yeah, I love uh, supporting birth and supporting families. How long have you been a doula for? Over five years. I did my training with um, a local midwife. Yeah, a little over five years, probably about five and a half years ago. And what really led you into wanting to be a doula? So my own birth experiences my with my oldest, I was pretty young and did like zero preparation for birth, zero education. Um, I was just thinking I would go in and just kind of wing it. And birth is not something that you should just 
try to wing it. <laughs> and then um, I had my son and it was a little bit different with him, but I still felt like I wasn't heard um, and seen with him, like with his, his, with my pregnancy, with his um, uh, delivery and also postpartum. Like I made a big life altering um, decision after I had him and that kind of affected the rest of our lives and possibly affected my health. And I mean, I can go more into that if you want to. Um, it involves a tubal ligation device. Yeah. So I definitely, I didn't want anyone else to, you know, go through what I went through and feel the way I felt. Yeah. So, so. what was that? What was all involved? So it, it's called, um, it's called Esher. Um, it is a tubal ligation device. It's these metalloid coils that they insert into your fallopian tubes. And they're supposed to cause scarring in the fallopian tubes. So they're supposed to block the fallopian tubes. Well, one of the coils actually fell out of my tube and was embedded in my uterus. So I had to have that removed. So we, we knew that one coil was blocked and one wasn't. We weren't not trying to get pregnant, I guess, but we weren't, we weren't trying to get pregnant, but we weren't not trying. And, you know, we knew that one coil, one, one of our tubes, one of my tubes was blocked. Um, and then, so five years after I had my son, I got pregnant with our third. And then about two years after that, we got pregnant again. That time we definitely were trying not to get pregnant. <laughs> um, but she's, she's here. Um, so I have three girls and one boy. The two youngest are my two little girls. And I mean, I love them to death, but it's just, it's just crazy that they're here. <laughs> um, but I, you know, after I had, the incident with it with one of the coils falling out you know i started to research and found a whole group of women who have been um affected by this device and there's also a documentary on netflix and so is it like a, whole, a form of birth control or like it's a form of it's a form of tubal ligation like instead okay. of, you know, instead of the clamps or right. instead of like the cutting and burning method. Um, and I should have known, I should have known better because my mom, my mom actually had like the cut and burn method of ligation. And um, she actually ended up with an ectopic pregnancy because of it. Um, that was another thing is like, you know, after I got pregnant each time I had to go and make sure like I was you know, I had a lot of anxiety each time I found out I was pregnant because of the risk of like ectopic pregnancy. So thankfully there weren't any issues. Um, and actually kind of because of that experience, I looked outside of the, you know, medicalized birth community for their births. I had my third 
at a birthing center. And then I had my fourth at home. And those were both really healing experiences for me. So when the coil fell out, did you, like, how did you notice that? Oh, so you have to go for an x-ray okay. three months after they place the coils. Okay. And so, yeah, you go for an x-ray, they inject this like dye into your uterus, they do the x-ray, and then they see, you know, if that dye has traveled into your fallopian tubes, which one of, obviously one of mine, it did go into. So that's how they, that's how they found out. Wow. So when you were preparing for your third birth, you said that was at a birthing center. What was that transition like? Like, how was it, you know, looking for a center that would be able to offer what you were looking for? And how did you kind of go about that? Um, Actually, initially, I wasn't planning on going to a birthing center. I hired um, the midwife who, um, who I did my, my doula training with. Um, and she's, you know, she's essentially a home birth midwife, but she has privileges at, um, Carolina water birth. Um, and so just because of insurance reasons, you know, we paid her mainly out of pocket, but, um, it would, it just was a little bit cheaper for us to go to the birthing center or, not cheaper, but like more cost effective for us. And so that's why we decided to go the birthing center route. And so I don't know, I was just more comfortable with the idea of that. Also, you know, I went to some prenatals at the birthing center with her and got to, you know, look at it and everything. And the rooms were really nice. And I would have the option of, you know, doing a water birth. And so yeah, we just, we decided to go that route and I really enjoyed it. So you said that both, you know, your third and fourth births were very healing. What was healing for you in those births? And, and what was that feeling like? Just the fact that like, I, I felt, um, I felt like what I wanted was taken into account. Like I did, like I was induced with my son um, in the hospital and I really didn't want to do that. Um, I made the mistake of telling my OB that my oldest, my daughter was nine pounds when she was born. And so my OB was like, oh, well, we should probably induce you at 39 weeks. And I was like, well, I don't really want to do that. And apologies to my husband, because whenever I talk about this, I think he feels like I'm throwing him under the bus. But um, he was also like, oh, well, you know, if you're induced, then, you know, we know when you're going into labor and I can take, you know, time off from work and let, you know, give them notice so that I can take like, you know, a whole week off or whatever. And so I like begrudgingly, you know, agreed to being induced. But the funny thing is like, I don't know, my way of like sticking it to my provider was that I was like, okay, but I'm not getting an epidural. Like that was, 
that I don't know that that was my I don't know in my head that was like me like being rebellious and um, they were probably like okay sure like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they were like, first of all, we don't care. But <laughs> secondly, sure you won't, which I didn't, I think, because I, you know, I drew that line in the sand. I was like, I'm not. And um, and I mean, I did handle that labor, you know, pretty well. They, you know, and also they discouraged me from like getting out of the bed and, you know, being on the birth ball and all that. I handled labor pretty well I let them break my water that's when things started getting you know pretty intense um but then you know at that point I was going through transition um and I didn't know that yet you know I I after doing my doula training and everything I know that now that I was going through transition and everything um so I did ask for you know some pain meds in my IV and the the nurse like nobody checked me before administering them and it was like literally right after she administered the pain meds i felt like ring of fire and was pushing and then because of the pain meds i missed the first 2 hours of my son's life so yeah because they kind of knocked me out so that and then you know trusting my doctor with the whole Esher thing and having that bite me. I just had a distaste for medicalized birth. Not that it's wrong for everyone, but it just put a bad taste in my mouth. Um, And so I went looking for alternatives. Um, And so you know, with both of my births after that, both of my out of hospital births, I just felt like my provider listened to me and took into account what I wanted. And not only just not only took that into account, but it encouraged me. I mean, all providers should be doing that, you know, within reason, obviously, because medical issues come up. But I love that Brad Boots Taylor came up with the turn uh, shared decision-making that, you know, you should be talking. This should be, it should be a conversation with your provider about, you know, your, your birth plans. And I just, I felt that also my husband was on totally on board, especially after our experience with our son. So my husband was totally on board with the whole out of hospital thing. Um, he is good at just being there. And so I, I hired doulas for both of my out of hospital experiences and they were awesome. And they allowed my husband to just, to just be there with me, not to have to feel like, um, he had to be in that role, which he does not do well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's great that he was so supportive of your decisions and really willing to, you know, do something that neither of you had done before. And, you know, it's not always the traditional route. And unless, you know, your family has been doing home births or birth center births and things like that, it could be, you know, very hard for family members and 
and just other people involved to really grasp that concept. So I think it's, I guess, like unique to find, you know, partners and and family and such to be really supportive in that. And I think more people are being, you know, aware of it and um, willing to accept it. But even, you know, with me preparing for a VBAC, it was kind of like, well, you're still going to be in a hospital, right? <laughs> like, but that was something, you know, like I felt comfortable with, but I could have very well went like home birth route. And and that's still something that people do with VBACs. And I think it's just doing what you feel comfortable with and then having people support you. And they also kind of you know, ties into what we were talking about earlier with, you know, just um, how and when you tell people that you're going into labor and also just, you know, when your quote unquote due date is or your expected date. But I think it's um, a choice that I get to make whether I inform people of that or not. Yeah, and so. Where have you kind of seen that play into clients that you've had? And what have you kind of seen with like people kind of leaving that estimated date to themselves? And also when they're in labor, informing people when and how? I don't know if I've had any clients who like completely didn't inform anyone of anything, um, but I've had clients who have announced to friends and family like as soon as like gone on Facebook and been like hey I'm in labor um and also clients who have not told anybody anything about when labor starts um and I've seen a difference I've literally seen a difference because as soon as they announce that they're in labor they're just bombarded with um you know comments or text messages or phone calls, how are things going, where's baby, when's baby going to get here? Um, and I've just seen it like mentally take a toll on them. They might not be there in person, but they are in the room. And the more eyes you have on you during labor, the more likely it is to interfere with you getting into that zone and that rhythm and that pattern. And on the flip side, I've seen, you know, clients not tell anybody anything and they had, it may be, it may be coincidence, but they had very smooth and relatively short labors. So I've, I, cause birth is a mental thing. It is just as much if not more mental than it is physical because you can deal with it physically you can if you are not in the right state of mind you won't yeah it's just been very interesting to see how something as as little as a text message can can affect also like you know I definitely encourage clients to set boundaries with friends and family who don't maybe don't agree with their birthing plan 
you know, if you know that they're going to have an issue with how you plan to birth, don't tell them anything. (laughs) Um, If you tell them and they, you know, have something to say, just, you know, set that, set up that boundary that you're, you're not, you're going to shut down conversation that goes in a negative direction because you may say that you, you know, you don't care what people think, but it's there. It's just there mentally in the back of your mind, especially if it's very like a close family member or friend, like a mother or, you know, a grandmother or something like that. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It is a mental part to it. Like there is such a mental side to preparing for birth, laboring, going through all that. And I think with Rosie, my first, I definitely was not mentally preparing. Like I had taken a class, I had quote unquote, like done all the things, but I was not in the mindset that I needed to be in if things went differently than I was imagining. And I think those expectations of what I thought it was going to be like really kind of were hard to get past when I was actually in it. I was like, this isn't the way it was supposed to be. Like, this isn't the way I was supposed to come to the hospital. Like everything was just kind of like ripple effect going downhill. And it was so hard to pull myself into a better mental state when so many other things were going on that I I had never experienced before. So, you know, like mentally preparing for so much more and just like expecting the unexpected in a way and, and just being ready for those changes or be pleasantly surprised with, with whatever happens. I think, you know, like that's something that's hard. So like, what do you, you, when you said like setting boundaries, what do you kind of like recommend or, or how do you start with setting boundaries? It's hard. Um, I come from a family that has, um, narcissists in it and, um, I've just, I've kind of like just recently, like in the past couple of years, realized that and realized that that's a reason that I feel the way I feel a lot of times and I do the things that I do. So it's, it's definitely been hard to set boundaries, um, but it's, it's necessary. And, um, so you can just avoid the person. Um, (laughs) but sometimes that's not possible. Um, but just really kind of just drawing that line and, and saying, you know, we're not going to, if you're going to be negative, we're not going to discuss it with you. And another thing that can be hard is that like, it can even, it can be subtle. Like it's not, um, like I love my grandmother, but she, I don't know, she was fine with us having a, a birthing center birth. But when I told her we were having a home birth with our fourth, she was like, oh, you're so brave. And I was like, what? Like, 
I'm not trying to be brave. Like I have, there's nothing scary to me about home birth or the idea of home birth. Like, um, so something like that, something subtle like that can be hard to, to put a boundary on, but yeah, just, just letting people know that if you don't have anything nice to say, we just won't talk about it. Like that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. And so you said that, you know, like you're also preparing for like postpartum doula services and things like that, but I know that you do sibling doula services. So can you kind of explain what that is, like what that entails for those that don't know what it is and maybe interested in that kind of service? Yeah. So I became, I guess, passionate about sibling support. I I mean, I have supported siblings in the birth space with my birth clients. And then when I had my third at the birthing center, my mom and my oldest two, they, they followed us there and they were in the waiting room while I was in labor. I didn't have a very long labor, but I had asked my son, you know, while I was pregnant, Hey, do you want to, well, I asked both of them. Um, do you want to see the baby being born? My oldest was like, heck no. Um, but my son surprisingly was all for it. And so when it came time for me to like actually push, um, push her out, I remember saying, Hey, where, where's Elijah? And so somebody, I guess my doula went and got him. Um, and he came in and you know what? I was actually, it was, it was a very good thing. Cause, um, when I hit, when I hit transition, um, and then especially when I hit that like ring of fire, I kind of panic. Um, and you know, I can start hyperventilating. I kind of freeze up. And so when he came in, I was like, I do not want to traumatize this kid. So it helped me, like, it helped me, um, kind of reset and refocus on, you know, what I needed to do. Um, so it it helped me like calm, calm down. And so the way the room that we were in the, the birthing tub, um, I think it was like kind of a corner and the walls of the tub were clear. It was like plexiglass. And so I'm, I was on my hands and knees and I'm pushing the baby out in the water. And I don't remember this, but my mom said she could hear my son from the, all the way in the waiting room. He was like, I see her, she's coming. And yeah. (laughs) And so he got to like, you know, witness his sister being born and, um, you know, got to like cuddle with her after she was born and see, see everything, see the placenta, see the cord being cut, um, see her, you know, being weighed and swaddled, swaddled and, and nursed. Um, and so after that, I was like, I really want to be there like specifically for clients, older children. Uh, I want to help educate them. I want to help them, you know, 
experience birth without being fearful of it. And so my sibling services are kind of similar to my birth services. Um, I do some prenatals, maybe like two or three prenatals with them, um, helping to educate them. I have, um, I have a doll. She's called the, her name is Stella, but she's a mama Amor doll and she gives birth to a baby and she's got a placenta and everything attached to the baby. Um, and she's got little like buttons for nipples and the baby like can latch onto her, um, onto her breast. And then I have a, a weighted baby doll so that kids who have never held a baby before can feel how heavy because it's not a, a new baby is not like your normal baby doll. They're heavy. And then I, you know, provide the parent. I have some books about pregnancy and birth for geared for kids. Um, I have a I have a cute little home birth book that my midwife um, gave me. It's really cute and kids love it. And, um, I provide the parents with some, um, YouTube links for like simulated, um, simulated birth. Like I kind of introduced, like, this is how, what I did with my son. I found a like computer simulation of childbirth and showed him that, you know, it's just very straightforward how the baby moves through the birth canal. Um, no blood or, or waters or anything like that. Um, and then we moved on to animal birth because animals kind of make it look easy, (laughs) but you know, then we're getting into all the fluids and, and afterbirth and stuff like that. Um, and then we started watching, there's a group called birth tube. We started watching, you know, videos of birth or live like feeds of birth. Um, and he got to see, you know, got to see and hear all the different things and sounds and everything. So that's what I do with my sibling clients. Then during the, the birth, I am with them like in or around the birth space. Um, obviously I can't really support siblings in the hospital setting anymore just because of restrictions, but I can support them in, well, I can help prepare them for, you know, the new baby coming home. Um, But I mainly support uh, um, birthing center and home birth now. So uh, about a year ago, I had a lovely repeat client and she had a home birth and i was there for her two younger girls and basically we just i just you know hung out and played with them in their room or we went outside and they rode their bikes um and then when it was time for mom to push you know i we quietly came into the birthing space and they just they just stood there and watched like in awe and it was it was just so sweet and so cute and I I took some pictures of them and then you know mom had the baby and then they all just like the whole family just gathered around her her um adult son was even there like and I 
was able to like answer some questions for him even. So I have supported, you know, siblings from teenager and adult all the way down to, you know, two years old. So it's just such a sweet and special time. It's so cool. Like seeing young kids get excited about a placenta. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a crazy idea because like, honestly, I didn't even know what a placenta was. Like, I I don't think that I fully even like grasped it while I was pregnant. I was like, okay, cool. Like, it's one of those things that like, you just don't talk about or like, don't know about. And then, you know, like I, I can't even imagine what it would have been like if I saw, cause my brother's six years younger than me. So like, I couldn't even tell you what happened when he was born. Like, I don't know where we were. I don't know if we were just sleeping or what happened, but one day we just had a baby brother. (laughs) And, and so like, it's such a cool idea to really involve the kids. And, you know, we think that, oh, they're too young. Like they won't understand like things like that. But even Rosie, she's only two. And it's just like the processing. And it's like so cute to see how they comprehend it. Yeah. They like it also, like you said, like you woke up and oh, there's a baby. Like they get to see the process of what it takes to bring a baby into the world. Um, I think that it also helps with like bonding, like, you know, them bonding as siblings. It just, I don't know. It's just a, it's just such a beautiful thing to witness just for them to see, you know, where, where do, where do babies come from? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's something that we can definitely, you know, include our kids in and inform them on, like, it doesn't have to be something that's so like hush hush or like they don't need to know or anything like that like you know I mean you don't have to go into like detail where the baby came from yeah (laughs) right (laughs) but just like explaining like the process of birth to be like such a beautiful thing and like what's going on and you know make them I think making them feel involved in the process is is going to be like such a gift in itself yeah. Oh my gosh. My kids loved going to my midwife's my midwife's office when I was pregnant with my fourth. Yeah, they loved going to to Carrie's office and I mean not just cuz they got to like play with some toys, but like they also <laughs> got to <laughs> they also got to like hear the baby's heartbeat. Yeah. And um you know, see the, see, you know, my midwife and her assistants like palpating my belly and, you know, just totally normalizing pregnancy and birth, like as a natural process. Yeah. We loved it. What else have you found helpful or useful or what do you wish new moms and not necessarily like first time moms, but just you know, a mom entering motherhood again for, for another time or their first time, like what would you kind of like say has been the biggest piece of advice that you have come across or, or something that's been the most useful that you really try to share with your clients? Hmm. I think I would say 
that there's just no, there's no like one size fits all for any, any, any of it, um, (laughs) for pregnancy, for birth, for postpartum, for parenting. We're all just like trying to figure it out and do our best. Like you can read all the books and you can watch all the videos and do all the things and you know things are not gonna go like you thought they were and so I mean you got to be really open-minded you have to be really um not that like you can't plan for anything but you just got to be like open to um adapting (laughs) to change uh yeah yeah i i agree i think that's something that i've definitely kind of fell into and like embraced the more i've traveled through this journey and i think it just i don't want to say easier but it's just so much more relaxing to kind of let those things happen or flow or be more accepting of it Because I think before I was very like high anxiety, always stressing, needing to control. And I think I was led to believe that like if I can plan hard enough or if I can do enough that it would work out the way I wanted it to. And I think, you know, with motherhood, we have these these little humans that you know, have a mind of their own, have like personalities and journeys that they're going on. And like you said, like it's, you know, there is no like one size fits all. Like we're all going to have unique children. We're all going to have unique experiences. And I think just like understanding that and accepting that is, is hard at first, like really, really hard. But then once we kind of fall into that, I think it's just like, such a weight that's lifted and then you're kind of just like oh okay like I can't necessarily control this that and that but you know I can you know focus on how I'm going to react to it or or what I'm going to do when something like that happens and I think it's just like such a learning experience that has I don't know, completely changed my life. Like I would never imagine I'd be where I am today, just, you know, two years ago. So. So part of the reason, part of the reason I named my business Brave the Waves, I mean, obviously you can take it a number of different ways, but, you know, braving the waves of contractions. But a big reason I I named it that was because, you know, life is full of, um, I I compare it to like the ocean. You can have calm days and you can have storms, but you should have someone there to help you navigate, to just support you and tell you you're doing a good job. I mean, we all, we have good days, we have bad days. We're all going through something at some point. And so it's it's just so important to like have someone there to help you through it. Yeah. 
That's awesome. That's great. Well, you know, thank you so much for sharing your journey and really just telling us, you know, what you do, where you've started, how this has all evolved and, and really just, you know, what has gone into all that. And, um, you know, if we're interested in, in looking for your services, you're in the Greenville area, uh, if anybody's local, how can we reach you? How can we find you? Even if they're not in the Greenville area and they're interested in, you know, learning more about you and your journey, where are you at? Yeah. I mean, I offer, I do offer virtual support so they can contact me through my Facebook page, um, Brave the Waves Birth and Beyond. They can email me um, at bravethewavesdoula at gmail.com. Um, my phone number is 864-991-7184. I should have my website up in a couple of months, but yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I love talking about this. <laughs> well, this wraps up yet another episode of Entering Motherhood. I hope that you have found this episode helpful. And if you liked it, please share it with others who might also benefit from this information. If there's anything that you'd like to know more about, or maybe you know someone who'd like to be on the show, please visit my website, enteringmotherhood.com. I'm so thrilled to be going on this journey with you and getting the amazing opportunity to help moms during this postpartum experience. You can also now find us on Instagram and Facebook at Entering Motherhood. <laughs>